Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Do you guys mind if I just don't look at my notes for a few minutes and just talk to you from my heart a little bit? Something that I've been hearing a lot about And I think even Christians are a little bit confused about the difference between happiness and joy. So many people go around and say, I'm not happy with my job. Ever hear that before? Not happy with my boss. I'm not happy with my kids. I'm not happy with what the house looks like. We need a bigger house, bigger car. I'm not happy. And so many people live their lives based on their circumstances. If they're not happy with their circumstances, they're just not happy. And they walk around with this heaviness. But the sad thing is, Christians do the same thing. They base their happiness on their circumstances. If everything is going well, they're happy. If things aren't going well, they're not happy. And we all fall into this trap. I hate to say it, in my early years as a Christian, I used to feel the same way. I used to feel the exact same way. If things weren't going right, I just wasn't happy. And we would walk around defeated. We would have this look on our face like things aren't going right, so I'm not happy. And that's not what our Christian walk is all about. Can I get John 14, 24, I think it is. No, John 16, 24, I'm sorry. You haven't done this before. What Jesus is saying here, and let's read the next line, asking using my name. This is before Jesus went on the cross. So what he's saying is, you haven't done this before, asking using my name. So after he goes on the cross, Jesus has the Holy Spirit in him. And when we receive salvation, where is the Holy Spirit? In us. So when we receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in us. So we pray in the name of Jesus, and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. See, happiness is based on our circumstances. When you become a Christian, the joy of the Lord is not based on your circumstances anymore. The joy of the Lord is based on what he already did for us. See, your circumstances don't matter anymore. It doesn't matter what you're walking through anymore. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is inside of you. That's where the joy of the Lord is. See, as Christians, we don't walk around defeated anymore. It's his joy that gives us the strength to continue going on. It's not based on our circumstances anymore. It's based on what Jesus did for us. So now when we're going through circumstances that don't line up with Jesus' word, we can say, mountain in the name of Jesus be removed. 
If your finances aren't lining up with the word of God, you can pray in the name of Jesus, my checking account is going to be filled, and I believe that, and I walk in that. If it's health that you're struggling with, in the name of Jesus, I believe that my body is going to line up with the word of God and the way God has ordained these bodies to function. See, that's who we are in Christ. It doesn't matter about what's going on in our lives. Our lives are already based upon what Jesus did for us on the cross. Amen? Amen? Now, that was free because that has nothing to do with my notes. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) That's the intro. Thank you, Jared. Tonight, we get to talk about something that's very passionate in my heart something that's very close to my heart. God, the restorer. And why is this so close to my heart? Because I have seen God work, not only in my life, but in people's lives. It's what I'm passionate about. Because when you see somebody walk into church for the first time, when I walked into this church for the first time 12 years ago, I was at the lowest point in my life. I had made a huge mistake, huge, big mistake. We had made a decision to move to Florida. Now understand, God had blessed us so much here in New Jersey. We had an awesome business. My wife had a good job as far as jobs go. She was a teacher in Jackson. We had just built a brand new house in Bayville. God had truly blessed us, and we took that for granted. And we decided, you know what? We're going to pick up, and we're going to move to Florida. And even after, understand this, I was a Christian, and even after praying about it and not having peace about it, we still did it, and we moved to Florida. And at that point, everything turned around. It was like the faucet was turned off, The money stopped coming in. The blessings of God stopped coming in because we weren't in position with Christ properly. And so we understood this. My family was living in Florida, and I was traveling back and forth because we had our business up for sale, and it sold three times, and it fell through three times. Why? Because it wasn't God's will for us to be in Florida. And so... Little by little, we lost everything except for the business, praise God. And so, long story short, I was still living here, going back and forth from Florida once a month, twice a month to see my family. My kids were young. It was so hard on them seeing their dad for a week and then not seeing him for two weeks. My relationship with my wife was declining because... Obviously, we didn't see each other, so she was building a life for herself in Florida, and I was still here. And in the meantime, I started coming to this church, and God started doing a work on my heart. He started to restore what that bad decision that we made. And so, long story short, my wife, the children, we all moved back to New Jersey, At that point, we had lost a house in Florida anyway, so we had nothing left. But we could have stayed there, lived with my parents or her parents, but we said, no, God's plan for us is in New Jersey. So we came back to New Jersey. And together, God started doing an amazing, 
amazing restoring in our lives. But I bet if I talk to each one of you, you have a testimony just like that when you walked into this church. And God started doing a great work in your life. And God started to restore things, whether it be relationships, health, job. I've seen people, they've gotten laid hands upon in this church and healed from their sicknesses. I've seen God move amazingly in people's lives because that's the restoration power of God. Unfortunately, because of Adam's and Eve's original fall, we humans are programmed almost to accept loss. But do you realize that that's the farthest thing from God's mind? He's been working on restoring us back to himself for such a long time, and that's why Jesus had to come and sacrifice himself on the cross so that we can come back into relationship with God. Not only can God wipe away our past, but he can restore and replace what has been destroyed or lost. Do you believe that? Do you believe that tonight? Amen. The Old Testament book of Nehemiah tells us the story of the restoration of the walls of the city of Jerusalem. The walls and city had been destroyed many decades before when the Babylonians captured the city and deported most of the population. Nehemiah became king, friends with the king. In other words, Nehemiah's position there was a cupbearer. So what does a cupbearer do? He tastes the wine prior to giving it to the king to make sure that it's not poisoned. And you think you have a hard job. (laughs) That's a hard job. But because of that job, he became close to the king. And so he received permission and, and provision from the king to go and rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. Nehemiah 2.17 gives us the command to the people with him. Let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that we no longer be a reproach, disgrace, or ashamed. Walls and biblical symbolism speaks of a person's life. When they are strong and intact, the city prospers. When there's walls in the city, the city prospers. Proverbs 25, 28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Walls keep us protected, they keep us safe, they set boundaries, and they speak of strength and identity. Nehemiah knew that in order to restore Jerusalem strength and identity, its walls would have to be restored. God is the God of restoration. That's what God specializes in. And I've seen it over and over and over again. I've seen people walk into church and their lives changed. Now, doesn't mean their circumstances changed. It means their lives changed because their trust was no longer in themselves, their trust was in God. And because their trust is in God, it doesn't matter where they find themselves. 
it matters now that God is in control of their lives and he starts to do a work inside of them. Today we live in a throwaway world, don't we? Something's broken, we throw it away. We buy a new one. If an appliance breaks, it's not even worth fixing it anymore. We just throw it away. After you've had a car for five years and you're just done paying for it, you're just done paying for it, the engine goes, something goes wrong with the transmission, and what do we say to ourselves? It's not worth fixing, right? It's just going to be too expensive to fix it. Let's just get rid of this car and get a new one. (laughs) Thank God he doesn't see us that way, right? Thank God he doesn't just throw us away. Thank God he's in the business of restoration. Thank God he loves us so much that he desires to come back into relationship with us. Every single person on earth is valuable in God's eyes. Psalm 139, 13. I love this psalm. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. We have been created so intricately. And in the same way, a master craftsman would create a priceless, one-of-a-kind work of art or piece of jewelry. That's what our God That's what he's done for each and every one of us. You have been created for a purpose. You are so special in God's eyes. It doesn't matter what you've been told in the past. It doesn't. God has created each and every one of us for a purpose. And he wants to use us for that purpose. See, the devil's a liar. He doesn't want to take you out of your past. He wants to keep you there because he knows if he keeps you there, you're not going to accomplish what God has for you to accomplish now and in the future. He's a liar and he's a deceiver. So we have a choice to make. Are we going to listen to his lies and stay in the past? Are we going to listen to what God says in his word that he created us intricately and we are a special person because he created us and he has a purpose for us and he has something that he wants you to accomplish? It's up to us to make the decision. So valuable that God thought we were worth him sending his son Jesus to repair and restore us rather than throw us away and buy a new one. We're not that old car. We're not that old appliance. God has created each and every one of us special to do something for his kingdom. Now you have a choice. Are you going to do it? Are you going to step into that calling that God has for your life? Is it easy? Did he say in his word it was going to be easy? It's not. It's not easy. But you know what? If your trust is in God, 
He will show you the way. When I come up here and I speak to you, I got to tell you, this isn't natural for me. It really isn't. I'm great on a one-on-one basis. I, I really am. I don't feel really comfortable to be up here. But you know what? Every time I get up here, I say, Father, I'm going to step out by faith and believe that you're going to meet me right where I am. And as soon as I take that first step, you're going to show yourself so real. And you're going to put the words in my mouth. And you're going to lead me. And you're going to guide me. And your faithfulness, your faithfulness is going to prevail every time. Every time. And that's what stepping out in faith is all about. As God starts to restore all that in your life that he wants to accomplish, just step out. Just step out. Don't worry about the emotions, and we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Tragedy comes to all our lives, and we are never the same. A betrayal takes place, right? Don't we all go through this? A betrayal takes place, a heartache, an accident takes place, scars Loved ones, relationships are damaged. A person falls victim to a very bad situation. Suddenly, their entire outlook on life is different. But God wants us to know that just like he restored the walls in Jerusalem to their former glory, he is, a, he is capable of restoring your life. What's the definition of restore? To bring back former or original state, to build, renew, reclaim, as good as new. It all starts and ends with Jesus. Amen. Revelation 1.8, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the almighty. He is working with us to bring us back in restoration to his original plan for man. Are you going to allow him to do that in your life? Like I said before, it's not easy, but he desires us to take that first step, to come back into relationship with him, and he will meet you right there where you are. In Psalm 138, 8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. In the New Living Translation, it says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. What is David saying here? I can't do this alone, Lord. I don't want to do this in the natural. I don't want to do this in my own strength. I want to serve in the supernatural. I don't want to no longer just serve as myself. I want you to work in me, Lord. I want you to work through me, Lord. I want to serve God in the supernatural. I'm tired of the natural, we want to see God move big time. We want to see God move and the power of the word of God move in people's lives. We don't want to just be in the natural anymore. We want to see the supernatural, the bigger things. We want to see God move. But that takes energy. That takes time. If we don't spend time in prayer with him, how is he going to move that way? How are we going to know his word if we're not in his word daily? It's going to take time. It's going to take time. 
It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. We have to make the decision. How badly do I want to see God move in my life? How badly do I want to see the power of the word of God move in other people's lives? Do we want that more than watching our favorite program? See, when I come home from work at night, sometimes I'm so tired. I'm beat. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, long day, it's hot out. A lot of times I'm outside and I'm tired. And it's really easy for me to pick up the remote control. I know where every button is on it. It's very easy to go through all my favorite channels. It really is. But God's calling us to more. He's calling us to a greater relationship with him. It's time to put the remote control down or whatever it is that takes up our time. Do we want the power of God to move? Do we want to have that relationship with him where we know this is the direction God wants me to go in? Luke 7, 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord, Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Amen. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. One of Luke's details here paints a grim picture. We're told by Luke that the dead boy was the only son of his mother, and she herself was a widow. Can you imagine? Put yourself in this position. You're a widow, and now your only son is gone. Let me share this story with you. Recently, Pastor Joe sent out an email. There, had, there was a woman who contacted him. I don't know if it was via email she contacted him or through Facebook. And she said, you know, it was just recently, my, not recently, but my son died and no one reached out to him. And she was very upset. So Pastor Joe called her up and said, you know, what, what happened here? We're not even aware of what went on. Her son died 18 years ago. Can you imagine the pain that this woman has been living with for 18 years? She's been grieving over this. She really was grieving so much that she didn't even think straight. She didn't even know if this was his church or wasn't. She was just grieving. 18 years ago, she's dealing with this. And of course, Pastor Joe just encouraged her in the word of God and said, may your peace come from God. And what the pain that people go through. We can't even imagine what this woman was going through. And on top of that, she didn't even have a husband, obviously, to grieve with because he had died also. Let me explain several reasons why this is such a tragedy back then. The family line ends with her son's death. There are no more males to carry on the family name. This may not be a big deal to us in our culture, 
but in their culture, in the ancient Jewish person who is known by tribe, then clan, then family, then name. It was a huge, huge deal. She has no one to care for her. Back then, women were almost completely cared for by their husbands and their sons. They weren't helpless by any standard, but women relied upon the men for protection, income, and influence. This woman might be faced with having to rely on the community's support if they were willing to give her any. Bottom line, if there was ever a woman who felt lost and lonely in a crowd, this was one. But notice, notice something. Jesus had compassion on her. He saw her pain. Notice how quickly Jesus sees the situation and takes action. He has seen something we don't. The crowd itself tipped Jesus off that there was something wrong here, besides the fact that someone had died. You see, during funerals that were held in Galilee back then, the mother would walk in the front, then the funeral procession with the other family members would walk behind her, then the casket. But Jesus saw the woman in the front, no one behind her. She had no family. Jesus instantly realized that the woman was a widow and had no other family members. She was by herself. His compassion moved him to restore her son to her. And that same compassion that he had for her, he has for each and every one of us. It is a compassion that his heart goes out. Does our heart go out to people that are in need? Are we so distracted with our own circumstances that we don't see other people's needs? You know who's good at this? Pastor Joe. He's amazing in this way. His heart is so sensitive to the lost and to the hurting, to the point where he'll call you at three o'clock in the morning and go, hey, did you talk to so-and-so? You haven't lived till you've gotten an email from Pastor Joe at three in the morning. (laughs) Because his heart is so sensitive for the lost. He cares so much for the hurting. May our hearts care that much for the lost and the hurting. May we not be so distracted with our own circumstances, but may we look past that to help others who are hurting so much. So many times people's needs are right before our eyes, yet because we're so caught up in our own lives, we're distracted, distracted and unaware of the other person's needs. The same compassion that operated in Jesus way back then is still moving him today to restore our lives. It hasn't changed. He's still our healer. He still restores us because he loves us so much. God's plan is to rebuild your life. Number one, get a fresh start. Are you the victim or the perpetrator? Forgive and get forgiven. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. 
But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins as well. Pastor Joe just did a teaching on the gift of repentance. If you didn't listen to that teaching, please go to the website, catch that teaching. It was amazing, amazing. Forgiveness, repentance, it gives us the freedom to take that next step, to get that fresh start. Do that. Don't hold on to unforgiveness. It'll eat you up alive and you will be the one to suffer. Or we will be the ones to suffer. Don't hold on to unforgiveness. Let it go. Ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness, both given and received, is the first step in restoration since it provides both God and us with a clean slate. In Micah 7, 19, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Number two, commit your life to God and watch what he does. Acts 20, 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to, word, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God wants us to be built up, strengthened in him with our walls built high so that way we're no longer disgraced, but we're strengthened in Christ. Allow him to do that work in you. And number three, do not fall for the lie that God has forgotten about you. God never forgets about us. Stay out of the emotional realm as much as possible. See, when you allow your emotions or we allow our emotions to run away with or run away from us, we start to think things that aren't even true. They don't even exist. We start to make things up in our minds. We start to think things about certain people that aren't even right. Don't allow your emotions to get the better part of you. Put your emotions aside. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have comp compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will never forget. God never forgets about us. He desires that relationship so much with us. When we have lost everything, we feel that we are alone. We feel that nobody else is going through the struggle we're going through. Remember this, God is not blind and has not forgotten you. You are his child, and as such, he is very interested in seeing that you have the life he has destined for you. He has a plan for you, each and every one of us. So the first thing you need to do in order to see God start the restoration process is once again, go back to the simplicity of just trusting in God, looking to him who will lead and guide and decide the rest of your future. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. 
trust in the Lord. Don't trust in your own strength. Don't try to do things in the natural. Let the supernatural word of God renew your mind and your heart. See, in our culture of that microwave cooking and instant access to everything, we don't like things to take time. But let me tell you, restoration is a process. There's no quick prayer or religious activity that you can do in order to rush it along. It's a process. When my wife and I came back from Florida and moved to New Jersey, God had provided for a place to live. We've always lived in brand new houses. God's been amazing. But when we came back from Florida, I tell you, it wasn't a brand new house, but we were so happy. We were back in God's plan for our lives. And during that period of time, I grew so much closer to the Lord like never before. Going through that process of restoration, I have to tell you, was the most peaceful time in my life than I could ever remember. It was a time when I was so sensitive to his voice. There was a time when I could actually, he would speak to me and I would say, yes, Lord, that, that's the direction I want to go. Your will, not mine, may be done. And after that, it took five years. I want to tell you that restoration process, it took five years. But after those five years, as I was praying one day, he told us, it's time to move on now. I have a greater plan for you. I want to start taking you through the next step. We started looking for a house again. He had provided the most beautiful house for us. It was totally his plan. He restored unto us more than we ever had before because that's the God we serve. And it's not about possessions, but that's how good he is to us. He wants to bless us, not for those blessings to take over, but for those blessings to be an enjoyment for us. But that's our God. And that's the process that he wants to take you through. So whatever you're going through tonight, whatever it is that you're walking through, I want you to remember, God wants to restore you unto himself. He desires such a strong relationship with you. And he hasn't forgotten you. God loves us so much that he gave us his son to die on the cross, to shed his blood for us so that we may have abundant life here on earth, but we may see him again in eternity someday. And that is the promise that he's given to us. The process teaches us, strengthens us, and equips us for the future. Allow God to work in you so that he may work through you. See, I never thought we would be campus pastors. Never thought that in a million years. I knew there was a calling on my life that I was running from. I was running from it. We're good at what we do on a regular basis. I like what I do for a living. But God had a plan for my life, a different plan, a plan that I was running from. I don't, like I said before, I don't like to be up in front of the room. I'd rather sit where you're sitting, listen to Pastor Joe, get the message, and then whew, go out and do what we do. 
But you know, honestly, it is an honor for me to be up here to speak to all of you and share how God has taken us from where we are or where we were to where we are today. Amen. 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 Praise God. Restoration is an amazing thing. It's what God specializes in. So whatever it is, again, that you're dealing with, in just a few minutes, we're going to end in prayer. Whatever it is, please come up. Pray with our prayer team. Matter of fact, let's all do this. Let's all stand up. If you have never prayed the prayer of salvation and you desire that restoration process to take place in your life, pray with our prayer team that'll be up here tonight. They want to pray for you, lead you into the prayer of salvation. It's so simple, and thank God he made it simple because if it, he didn't make it simple, we would mess it up. We make things so difficult, and yet God has made it so simple. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that he died on the cross, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, it's that simple. If you believe that and you confess that with your mouth, you will be saved. And that's what it says in Romans. So, if that's your desire to say that prayer tonight, please come up at the end of the service. Pray with our prayer team. They would love to pray for you. If there is anything that you need God to start working on that restoration process in your life, please come up and pray with them. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and end in prayer tonight. Father God, we are so thankful for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for this word that you've brought to us tonight. Thank you for the power that is in the word of God. Thank you, Father God, all that you want to accomplish in each and every one of our lives, Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for direction. I thank you, Father God, that you're leading us and you're guiding us. I thank you, Father God, that our relationship is going to grow in you, Father, that we are going to have such a strong desire, Lord Jesus, to get into your word, to learn your word, Father God, that we may take it out to others and they may come to know who your son, Jesus Christ, is, Father, that their eternal future will be changed, Lord Jesus, because of our relationship with you. May we be so sensitive, Father, to the needs of others that we would have that same compassion that Jesus had on that widow, Father. I thank you, Lord, for all that you want to accomplish through your people. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.